Like that long ago, this is what they felt like when it happened. And today, it's how we should feel. Because what it meant for them, it means for us. Yes! Are you kidding me? He is alive! Yeah! Wow! Wow. Good morning, Maple Grove. That was a tenant to wake you up. No, not really, but... Hey, if you're here for the first time, we're so glad that you're here uh, to celebrate the greatest and most important event in all of human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What I receive, I pass on to you as of first importance. Now the world's going to tell you a lot of things are important. What I pass on to you as of first importance that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. The tomb is empty, and Jesus is alive, and nothing has been the same ever since. And, and now there's, a, there's an ancient kind of Easter greeting that's been going around for centuries, and, and, and we're going to do that just now. You have a line, and I have a line, and if you're here visiting, I like repeat backs and energy and passion right? Because church should be passionate. And, and uh, I'm going to say Christ is risen, and you're going to say he is risen indeed, right? And if you say it with passion, we'll only do it three times, right? If we got to amp up the passion a little bit, we'll be here a little bit longer, all right? You guys ready? You know your line. He is risen indeed. Let's practice. One, two, three. He is risen indeed. Good job. And young people, I know you can outshout your parents. All right. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. He is risen Christ is risen. He is risen Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this day and what it means. We thank you for the hope that we have because of the empty tomb. And Father, you know each and every one of us, and you know exactly what we need to hear today. And Holy Spirit, I, I just pray that you open up our hearts and minds so that we can hear from our Father today, on this Easter Sunday, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, let me tell you how the day is going to play out. Uh, first, we're going to, uh, using all four Gospels, we're going to read the words that the Holy Spirit felt were important to put on paper to describe that first Easter Sunday. And, and then we're going to unpack from those scriptures several timeless truths. And by that, I mean that they were true Easter Sunday, 30 AD, and they're still true today, Easter Sunday, 2019. That's some timeless truths that are needed, that are awesome, that are life-changing, 
And that began 2,000 years ago. I, I mean, I, I can almost see Jesus with purpose in his step, with fire in his eyes, with passion in his voice, proclaiming, and now it begins. And, and parents, if you have your children with you, they have this really awesome little sheet here. And, and uh, uh, those truths are right there on the back for them to fill in, or you can help them fill it in. Um, they would make some great discussion for when you spend the day with them during Easter, and there's a word search, and, and even some of the items there would, would be helpful, and there's something to color. And, and as we always do when you guys are in here, like, if you fill this out, kids, and adults, if you want one to color too, that's okay. You can do that. If you fill this out and bring it up to me, right, um, you get to choose a candy bar. And I'm not talking little baby candy bars, right? We're, we're talking the real deal. We got Kit Kats, we got M&Ms, we got Hershey bars. Oh, oh, the... oh sorry. I'm not she's jumping ahead, jumping ahead. All right, she gets to pick them. We got a lot of great stuff to talk about. Before we begin, though, I have an Easter tradition. Don't know why I do it. Don't know when it started. But I like to throw candy out on Easter Sunday. <laughs> I, I, I think it's because, like. As a kid, like, you couldn't, like, throw in church, so I like to throw in church and run in church, right? And, and so, um, and, and you know, if you see your neighbor not paying attention, help them out, all right? All right, just help them out. Uh, here comes some pink peeps. Oh! And, and I'll just let you know, that's the Mac Daddy. It's coming last. That's coming last. All right, and we have some yellow peeps over here. Oh! <laughs> uh, uh. Some blue peeps. Woo! Sour watermelon peeps. Woo! <laughs> we have a milk chocolate rabbit. Oh, intercept it. All right, hold on, we're not, this is weird. Um, let us know how it works out for you. This is edible grass. <laughs> All right. We got a chocolate peanut butter bunny. We got a cookies and cream bunny. All right. We have a sweet tarts. Uh, we have Dove milk chocolate. Ooh, 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 ooh. Oh. And we have the Mac Daddy of all Mac Daddies. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, good job. All right. That's always fun. All right. Uh, but what's coming up next is even funner, and funner should be a word. Um, Easter Sunday, 30 AD, we're going to look at all the gospel writers to get a picture of what's going on. Uh, we read, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, the, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went up to the tomb. Now picture the scene, it's dark, it's early, 
And imagine the, the emotions that they're feeling. They're hurting, they're heartbroken, they're afraid, they're, they're confused. And, and yet they, they still make their way to the tomb, preparing to do a, a very unpleasant job, right? I mean, they were going there to, to wash the blood off the body of Jesus, to clean the blood that had matted into Jesus' hair and his beard. And as they're walking along the path of the tomb, Mark writes in Mark chapter 16, verse 3, they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? And I kind of like that. Like, they had no clue how this huge obstacle would be removed, yet they did not let that stop them from doing what they had committed themselves to do. What an example. And you know, maybe God is telling uh, someone in this room this morning you know, that has this obstacle that you don't know how it's going to be moved. And God is telling you, just do what you know is right and just keep on moving forward and don't worry about the obstacle. And then Matthew tells us something pretty crazy happened while they're walking to the tomb that took care of this obstacle, this dilemma of the huge stone. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, picture that, and approached the tomb. I mean, this dude is bad. He rolled it back and sat on it. <laughs> I love it, right? Because, like, there's these roaming guards, right? These, you know, special forces, roaming guards sitting there, right? He rolls it. He just, sit, he just sits there swinging his legs back and forth like, yo, what's up, y'all, right? And then... His appearance was like lightning. His robe was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken with fear of him that they became like dead men. <laughs> and then apparently they took off because the time the ladies get there, they're gone. And Mark says, uh, when they looked up, the ladies, uh, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Remember, this is a guy who just split heaven, came down in an earthquake, and rolled this big stone. And he says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell the disciples, and, and, and I love these next two words. Go tell the disciples, and, and who? And Peter, right? And Peter. Yeah, be sure to let Peter know that three strikes and you're not out. Not if you're willing to get back up. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And then Luke writes, beginning at Luke chapter 24, verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother James and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Which seems kind of crazy because Jesus said this was going to happen. But again, I did not experience what they experienced. So I don't know if I would have responded any differently. And then John tells us beginning in John chapter 20 verse 3. Peter and the other disciple, most likely John started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. All right, we get it, John. You're a faster runner than Peter, all right? <laughs> I got to stick that in there. 
Uh, He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrapping lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. And Luke tells us in Luke 24, verse 12, that, that Peter went away wondering to himself what had happened. You know, is Jesus really alive? And what does that mean for me? Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in. He had to put that in again. And, and saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. And apparently, Mary Magdalene, when Peter and John ran to the tomb, she went with them, and when they went home, she kind of hung around at the tomb. Uh, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying, Jesus asked. Who are you looking for? Uh, She thought he was the gardener because no one else gets up that early. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which in Hebrew is for teacher. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord, that she gave them his message. And then Easter Sunday night, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. And listen, if there's anyone in this room who is is locked behind a door of fear because of who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. I believe he wants to say to you this morning in your fear, peace be with you because I am with you. And Luke writes, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your heart? Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? I don't know how many times Jesus has probably wanted to say the same thing to me. Or maybe to you this morning. Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? I see my hands and my feet. That is, I myself touch me and see For spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieving, at the same time, they were full of joy and were marveling. And he said to them, because they're still not getting it, have you anything to eat? Uh, They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power 
from on high. Okay, so that's what went down Easter Sunday, 30 AD, according to the Word of God. And now it's time to look at some of these timeless truths. But before we go there, I, I, I want to I share something with you. you know, early Thursday morning, I was walking my dog on a trail around the lake near our home. It's just three days before Easter. I'm approaching my, my, my 40th Easter as a Christian, my 27th Easter as a pastor. So when it comes to Easter Sunday, been there, done that, and have a whole bunch of T-shirts. And I'm walking around the lake, and something I like to do is I put headphones on, and I worship, and I go to Pandora, and I just let it pop up any song. You know, thinking, okay, God's going to play a song I need to hear. And I can't tell you how many times I hear the exact song I need to hear at that exact moment. And that's what happened when I was walking around the lake this Thursday, approaching my 40th Easter. Here's kind of a picture of what I saw that day to give you. It was just beautiful. And there's a song by a group called Bethel. It's called Wonder. It, It goes like this, part of it. May we never lose our wonder. May we never lose our wonder. Wide-eyed and mystified, may we be just like a child, staring at the beauty of our king. May we never lose our wonder. Wide-eyed and mystified, may we be just like a child, staring at the beauty of our king. And I got to tell you, as that song played and, and they sang those words over again, and I joined them singing over and over again, I began to be filled with wonder about my God, I, about creation, about Easter, and about all the amazing things that are now available because Jesus is alive. May we never lose our wonder. And I don't know where you are on your Easter thing. Maybe this is Easter number one, or you've been celebrating like me Easter for decades. I just pray that you don't lose your wonder. And I pray that when we look at these timeless truths that that we may be like a child, wide-eyed and mystified as we stare at the beauty of our king and the wonder of the resurrection. Father God, I pray that right now, Lord, each of us, that, Lord, that you would help us stand in awe and wonder about Easter and who you are and what you did. May we never lose our wonder. And if someone's here and Easter is just, well, it's just Easter. No, it's not just Easter. It's everything. And God, I pray you open up our hearts and our minds of everyone in this room and give us exactly what we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is alive, the tomb is empty, and now it begins And now begins the complete removal of all doubt. Number one, of all doubt about the depth of God's love, the Father's love for you. Don't lose your wonder at these verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus said in John 15, The night of his arrest, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. In Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ 
died for us. Are you kidding me? Understand, God loves you. You. Messed up, falling, frail, you so much. Anybody have a son in here? A child so much that he sent his son to die a cruel death just because he could not imagine being in eternity without you. Jesus loves you. The Father loves you. May we never lose our wonder. And look two people in the eye and tell them Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. All right, I, I'm going to do something I'm not good at, but you guys can join me. It's been around for centuries. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Amen. Also, the complete removal of all doubt about who Jesus is. Now, I understand that throughout his ministry, Jesus said that what would happen that first Easter weekend, the betrayal, the arrest, the denials, the crucifixion, they were going to happen. And he said that when they happened, they would prove beyond any shadow of a doubt who Jesus Christ is. I understand from the beginning of his ministry to the end, Jesus said that he would suffer, that he would die and rise again. And he also said that his resurrection would be undeniable, irrefutable truth that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. God in the flesh, the bread of life, the light of the world, the great I am, the prince of peace, the mighty God, the savior king, the Christ, the Messiah, and the one who all the Old Testament was waiting for and pointing to ever since the first man and woman took the bite out of that forbidden fruit. Paul said this, he was declared to be God's son with great power by rising from the dead. Listen, Jesus' resurrection an historical fact is meant to remove any doubt whatsoever as to who Jesus is. I understand the Jesus that we love, follow, serve, worship, and sing to, the Jesus that all time revolves around, uh, the Jesus we gathered in this place to worship, is not just a prophet, just not a, a great teacher or a really, really nice guy. Jesus, he's God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the creator of all that we see. He is mighty. He is powerful. He's all-knowing. He's always been. He always will be. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's before all things. He's over all things. And he holds all things together. And if he can hold all things together, then surely he can hold our lives together. May we never lose our wonder. Now it begins move of all doubt, and then the unleashing of God's amazing grace. And we really needed God's grace 
Because before it was unleashed through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we were in a really bad position. You ever been in a bad position? Holding a bill you couldn't pay, getting a doctor's report you'd rather not have, uh, working at a place you'd rather not be, barely hanging on in a relationship that's not working. Uh, this week I grabbed some images of people who are in a bad position offline. Here we go. Okay, bad position, right? <laughs> Apparently she was laying on a ledge, and this lady in China, and kind of rolled off. She was rescued, okay? Good news, right? Bad position. Bad. That's 3,300 pounds. They run 19 miles an hour, and they have 20-inch teeth, right? And they kill about 3,000 people every year. Bad position, okay? Here's another bad position. That's never fun. <laughs> that is just not fun, all right? Here's another bad position, all right, okay? Man, I, I hate to be the one to tell you, but that is not, Wally Coyote, that's not going to end well, right? That's just not going to end well for you, right? And, and understand, before God unleashed his amazing grace, our, our position was kind of like that. Colossians 1.21 says, you used to be far from God, your thoughts made you as enemies, and you did evil things. You're far from God. Paul writes in Ephesians, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He's a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Bad position, right? Dead, an object of God's pursuing wrath. Like God's coming after you to, to punish you. That's the bad news. The good news is the good news of Easter, right? Very next verse. But because of his great love for us, God who's rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace, unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor, you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, God, through Jesus, unleashed his amazing grace to pay a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could never pay. Paul writes, when we were dead in our sins, God made you alive with Christ. May we never lose our wonder, right? He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He is taking away, nailing it to the cross. May we never lose the wonder of God's amazing grace. It's so awesome, and we didn't do anything for it. We didn't earn it, and we didn't deserve it. And now it begins. Complete move of all doubt, unleashing of God's amazing grace, and a renewed perspective about ourselves. Uh, the word perspective means a, a way of regarding situations, facts, and judging their relative importance. To have the proper, accurate point of view of something. And Jesus gives us the proper and accurate point of view about ourselves. About what we've done. About our past. You see, in our past, our past is the past with Jesus, right? If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has begun. 
What I'm trying to say is that in Christ, your past, your yesterdays, your sins, your failures, and your struggles, got any? They no longer need to define you or to limit you. Get it? Good. It also gives us a proper view of who we are. Right, right. We live in a world that wants to tell us who we are, right? And some of the people whispering in our ears are not saying really good things, right? It could be an ex-spouse. It could be a parent. It could be whoever. It could be the enemy telling you, you know what? You're not good enough. You're not worthy. You're not, you're not lovable. You're unlovely. And you'll never measure up. You're just not good enough. And Jesus came to give us a new perspective about who we are. One that's intended to overwhelm those lies. You see, in Christ, you are God's masterpiece. You are a new creation. You are a child of God. You are loved. You are chosen. You are accepted. You are forgiven. Repeat after me. I am loved. loved. That was terrible. (laughs) I am loved. I am am chosen. I am accepted. I'm a child of God. I'm a new creation. I'm more than a conqueror. Talk about a new perspective. And it gives us a new perspective about who we can become. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like who? What does it say? Like his son. Like, seriously? So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, right? Like, you, you know who, who you can become? Talk about a new perspective, right? Because of Christ and the resurrection, you can become and begin to live a life that looks more and more like the life Jesus lived when he walked this earth. May we never lose our wonder, wide-eyed and mystified. May we stare just like a child at the beauty of our king. Now it begins, complete removal of all doubt, unleashing of God's amazing grace, and renewed perspective about ourselves and an inner power to be made new. You know, if you talk to people and you ask them honestly how they're doing, and you get past, you know, the answer of fine, how are you? Most people would say, in not so many words, that they're tired. That they're exhausted, that they're worn out. And even our economy, right, reflects that. I mean, look how many hundreds of millions of dollars are spent on energy drinks, right? We have Starbucks and Triple Shots and Red Bull and Five Hour Energy, Monster, Rockstar. I saw a Kickstart can over there this morning. (laughs) This is long. And I don't have anything against their drinks, in fact, I wish some of you would have had an energy drink before you came in here today. No. <laughs> no. But seriously, it, we're, we're just trying to get through. Uh, do whatever we can to, to make it through another day. But listen, what I know, what you know, is that there's no energy drink that they've come up with that could give you the power to forgive the person who cheated you out of your childhood or your, or your marriage or out of your innocence or out of your dreams. They don't have a drink for that. 
And there's an energy drink that gives you the power to, to stop drinking or to stop using or to stop lusting or to stop spending or to stop hating or being angry and bitter. There's no energy drink that gives you the power to, to get through that divorce or to get through that unemployment or through that cancer or the loss of a loved one or to overcome the abusive past that has severely damaged your self-worth. The world doesn't have that kind of power. But Paul says that because of the resurrection, there's a new power. He says this in Ephesians 1 verse 9. I pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. It's the same power that brought Christ back from the dead. Are you kidding me? The same power that rose Christ from the dead is available to me and to you. Uh, Paul said, hey, my prayer for you is not that you just get through the day or that you just barely survive by the skin of your teeth, but my prayer is that you experience the power of the resurrection in your life right now. My prayer is that, is that your, your new life won't begin just when you go to heaven, but that your new life will begin right here in this old world. And because of the resurrection, we have a new inner power called the Holy Spirit to help us live a new and better and abundant life. Two quotes from the slow guy running to the tomb. <laughs> he, he said this in 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God is giving us everything we need for living a godly life. It's all there. Everything we need is there. And then P Peter, same guy, preaching the gospel for the very first time to people, letting them know that, hey, you know, you killed Jesus 50 days ago. That guy you killed, it was God's son. They're kind of freaking out. They don't know what to do. Peter replied, repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. May we never lose our wonder, right, of being baptized in the name of Jesus for forgiveness of our sins and for God's spirit to come and live inside of us. And now it begins. Move of all doubt. Unleashing the God's grace, a renewed perspective, an inner power to make us new, and the creation of the church, the body of Christ. I tell you that you're Peter. On this rock, I'll build my church in the gates of Hades, will not overcome it. And all I'm going to say about this, I got a little picture. All I'm going to say about the church is that right there. Because next week, we begin a new series called Becoming the Church He Intended. And that's not us right now. That's where we want to be. And we're going to study that out together, right? It's his church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church. If it belongs to him, if he died for it, then we should do things his way. And so we want to study that together, and we want to be the church, not that Steve Malone wants, or that you want, or the leaders want, or our community wants. We want to be the church that Jesus wants, and that kicks off next week. And finally, I think you're clapping because I'm almost done, right? <laughs> Something began on that, that, that Easter we were talking about it as we 
as we had prayer time before the service. I don't know if you guys knew this. I, I didn't know until Mark was talking about it and, and Jenny that, you know, several hundred of her brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka, you know, bombs went off in churches and hotels Easter morning and they lost their lives. Well, they lost their physical lives, right? Uh, because of this living hope that began when Jesus rose from the dead. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's giving us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I understand, if you are a Jesus follower, you have a living hope. Your long-term, ultimate forever is extremely bright. And that future is shielded by God's power and it's kept in heaven for you. At the end of Revelation chapter 21, we get a description, right, where John says, like, yo, here's what it's going to be like one day. On that day, they'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There will no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne and said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Listen, one day Jesus will make everything new. And on that day, all the junk, all the garbage, all the pain, all the suffering, all the heartache of this falling world will be no more. Uh, one day there'll be no more hospital waiting rooms, no more ICUs, no more tear-stained divorce papers, no motionless ultrasounds, no more foreclosure notices, no more loneliness, no more fear, no more insecurity, no more anxiety, no more abuse, no more violence, no more hatred, no more racism, no more terrorism, no more bitterness, no more cancer, no more disease of any kind, because everything one day, God will make everything new and we will live forever in the world that we always wanted to live in. May we never lose our wonder. And listen, listen, listen. It's the resurrection, this living hope. It's the resurrection of Jesus that allows us to walk through this dark, broken, upside-down world with a living hope. And let me tell you, a living hope shines in the darkness, amen? When our world sees a living hope in the face of trouble and darkness and hardship, that, that shines really, 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 really bright. I, I, I shared last week, I'm gonna just share it again as we wrap up about a, a good friend of mine who's celebrating Easter in Florida. Two weeks ago, he went to church with his 18-year-old son and later that day when Jason Cooper was driving home from church, he had a motorcycle accident and had a serious brain injury and didn't make it. And while he was in ICU, here, here's what his dad said. And this is living hope. This is how we can live our lives. Here's what he said, church. As his son's in ICU, knowing that 
they'll just keep them alive long enough to get everybody set up for organ donation. I tell you what I believe, though. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And whoever believes in him shall not die, but have everlasting life. So either way, having professed his faith in Jesus, Jason is and will be alive today, tomorrow, and every day thereafter, whether here or in the presence of the Lord. That's living hope, right? What can they throw at us, right? And what can the world throw at us, right? Because we know where we're going, right? We know how our life ends here and how it begins somewhere else. And so we know what's happening. And even when our loved ones go in the Lord, it's hard, it's difficult, but we do not grieve like those who don't have hope, right? Because we know that, that one day, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we know that one day the sky will split open and Jesus will come back and our loved ones who've gone before us will rise up in the air. They get to go first, right? And then we meet them and we'll be with the Lord forever, right? It's a living hope. I mean, I can just see him coming out of that tomb with purpose in his step, fire in his eyes, and passion in his voice, saying, and now it begins, the removal of all doubt about God's love and about who I am. Now it it begins, the unleashing of God's amazing grace. Now now it begins, a renewed perspective about who we are, about your past, about what you've done, about, about who you can become. Now it begins, an inner power to help you live the life that God wants you to live. Now it begins, the creation of his church. Now it begins, a living hope. That'll never spoil, fade, or perish. Kept in heaven for you. Happy Easter 2019. Father God, we love you. And we pray right now, Lord, I pray right now, if anyone in here doubts your love for them, because maybe they're messed up, join the club, right God? We're all in it. Let them know how much you love them. If anyone doubts that your God, remove that doubt. If anyone needs your amazing grace today or be reminded of it, God, I pray that they would do that. If anybody is trying to live this life on their own power, I pray that they'll, they'll tap in the power, God, that, that only comes for you. And if anyone has this, somebody lies about who they are, God, may they know who they are in you and who you see them as. And God, I, I pray for this church to be the church you intended. And God, for those going through a hard time and things are dark, remind them of the living hope that is theirs in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hey, every week at Maple Grove, we, uh, we have communion.